Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, I want to welcome you again. I'm Ben, a lead pastor here, and welcome those watching online uh, as well. As uh, Pastor Shane said, this is an interesting weekend. We have uh, over twice as many people on our other campuses uh, being baptized in all the different services, and some in this service as well. An exciting weekend, and I know that some of you, you've approached this last week, and you're excited. Some of you, not so much, and I, I just want to uh, acknowledge uh, that how we feel and we may uh, feel differently about the events of this last week. But I just have to tell you that personally, I am hopeful, I am excited, and I'm so happy they opened up the new Costco in Redmond. I just want to let you know uh, that I'm just really happy about that. And I guess there was an election or something that went on as well. So uh, <laughs> what I want to do right now uh, is if we can do so together, is we're going to look at a scripture. If you're new to God in the Bible, this is actually going to be a great weekend uh, because you're going to get a behind-the-curtain uh, look at, at really what we're about, and I really believe uh, all Christ followers should be about. We've looked at one verse, and this verse, I, I, as I knew what was happening in our country, I thought it would be so important to look at this, and we're dissecting it uh, every week, is Jeremiah 29, 11. And so we're going to read this out loud together. Uh, use your, as I used to say to my kids, use your uh, outdoor voice, not your inside voice. Um, and so if we can read it. Now, usually you guys leave me hanging, so can you do better this time? Okay. Uh, ready, set, read. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You might be here and you say, hey, I, I'm not even sure if I believe in God. Here's one thing I know about you. You want that. Every, every person who's like mentally well-balanced wants, uh, which, you know, I'm not sure about me sometimes in that area. Uh, we want that. Uh, this week, we're looking at uh, plans to prosper and not to harm you. And if you haven't been with us uh, or weren't with us last week, uh, we considered when this was written and who this was written to. Uh, Jeremiah is known as uh, the weeping prophet. Why? Because uh, he was one, a little bit of a Debbie Downer kind of guy. And he, there's a whole book of the Bible he wrote called Lamentations, which is like the book of complaining in the Bible. Uh, some of you, that just justified your whole outlook. That's awesome. Uh, but he, he writes to a group of people. There were some of them who had given up hope. The events that had happened, they looked at it and they did not see a good future. And there were others who followed this false prophet, uh, Hananiah, where uh, they said, oh, no, everything's just going to be perfect. There's going to be no problems anymore. And into that, he says, why not, let's not consider your perspective or your perspective. What's God's perspective? And what's God? Yes, there will be difficulty in this moment. But you know that God has a plan for you if you'll step into it. And he says this to a, a divided nation. And I, I would, you know, if we'd have to admit, 
that uh, often uh, we can be a little bit divided. In fact, even you, I'm sure you're divided as well. In fact, I'm going to ha have a little test here. Let let's see. Uh, it would be up on the screen. How many of you are Coke people? How many are Pepsi? Coke people? Pepsi? See, probably just how you voted as well. So, uh, how many of you love dogs? Like Jesus? And uh, how many of you love cats? Okay, some of you love both. That's great. Uh, uh, how many of you are Wazoo fans? Yeah. It's funny, there, there's always fewer of them, but they're always louder. And uh, we know what happens in Pullman. So the, uh, uh, how many of you, you dub fans? Okay, good. Even after yesterday. That's awesome. Uh, now, now, too, you think about it. There's just little simple things. Toilet paper. How do you do it? Are you, are you under? Under? Or over? Yeah. Are the single guys, you don't even use that metal thing, right? Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's the big, and this is a real one. This is real. Uh, how many of you say uh, Christmas Eve, open up presents? Yeah, okay. Uh, how many of you, Christmas morning? How many of you, you open up one on Christmas Eve and the rest on Christmas morning, just like it says in the Bible? <laughs> now, I'm having a little bit of fun, but uh, we know that uh, as, as a nation, we've just come through this uh, period of time. There are people, honestly, I've never seen people even get burnt out on the political system uh, even before we had an election. In fact, uh, did you ever see one of these uh, yard signs here? Uh, nope and noper, don't, dear God, don't let it come to this. Uh, and then uh, there was, there's one here that I, uh, I thought was funny. It, it, this is an actual obituary. This is really an obituary. True, it happened. Uh, and, it, and wait, hold on. Let me see it. It says this. It says uh, that here was the obituary. Nolan, Marianne, Alfred faced with the prospect of voting for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. She chose instead to pass into the eternal love of God <laughs> on Sunday, May 15th, 2016. You know, as we, uh, as we consider uh, politics, I know for some of you, it's frustrating to be part of Timberlake Church because for, uh, you're, uh, if you're hyper-partisan, if you're hyper-Republican, we're not Republican enough. If you're hyper-Democrat, we're not Democrat enough. If you're hyper-independent, we're not independent enough, but your votes didn't count anyway, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> just saying. So... Uh, the, the thing is that it, it is so important, and uh, this last week I've probably been more encouraged than I have during the whole campaign by everyone, uh, Republicans, Democrats, like just their tone. Uh, President Obama uh, said this. He said, now everyone's sad when their side loses an election, but the day after the, we have to remember that we're actually on one team. This is an intramural scrimmage. We're not Democrats first or Republicans first. We're Americans first. Even more pointed than that when we, when we consider that is to consider ultimate outcomes. Uh, Charles Colson, who was the chief legal counsel to President Nixon, he was one of the few people who met with him every morning. And uh, he said, President Nixon would say, the decisions we make today will change the world. And he wrote in his books later on, he said, eight years later, I was sitting in prison and I realized our, our decisions didn't change hardly anything at all. And he reflects and he said, 
The only thing that can change the world is when you change the human heart. And only God can do that. And so many of you have been fixated on, on, on the business of our country, and rightly so during an election. But I want to talk about that which can change the world. And this is not hyperbole. This is history. In fact, if, if you read uh, Rodney Starks, the great, he uh, teaches at Baylor University, used, used to teach at UW. He, he writes about what happened, this group of people who weren't involved politically at all, but this Jesus movement came out. They had no power or money ever, but literally the known world was changed one heart at a time. And I believe God is still in that business. If you weren't here last week, I talked about in areas of the world where we thought, oh, you know, after the uh, Iron Curtain fell, God's not going to work in, in China or former Soviet Union. That's where Christianity is spreading the fastest on earth. And so we have this, that God, God has a business that he's in, and it's a business he calls us to. So uh, what is that, and what does it mean to us, the business of the church? It starts with us answering God's call to us individually. Uh, it says this, Isaiah 61.1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, Isaiah is a prophet, and you're like, hey, I'm not a prophet, uh, you know, barely a Christian. Uh, I don't... Well, here's what the Bible says. If you are a Christian, if you said yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and you, and you. You know that God has one plan to change the world? And it's you. And you, some of you look around and you say, that ain't going to work. <laughs> it will when we respond. Jesus, now this is an, an interesting passage of scripture, uh, Matthew uh, 5, 14 through 16. Actually, this spring, we're going to actually go through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which uh, amazing, only 18 minutes long. Uh, and I know some of you are saying, okay, can you get yours down to that? <laughs> no, I can't. I'm not Jesus. And in it, he teaches us so much about God and how to live. And then our assignment says this in, in uh, Matthew 5. says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And I'm going to return to that. And glorify your Father in heaven. And what he's, what he's saying there is that you and I, no matter how we view ourselves, that if we're available to God, life can be different. Now, I want to note, as I said before, good deeds. In Acts 2.42 through 47, that's a pretty well-known passage of scripture if you've been around the Bible, uh, you see this pattern of good deeds leads to goodwill, and then that leads to God's message. See, and that's so important for us to remember that. So what is the business of the church, the business that you and I are, are supposed to be in? One, it's good news. It's good news. It says this in Isaiah 61.1, to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, this is uh, really important. Uh, the word uh, gospel comes from a Greek word, which uh, uh, I, I spent a lot of money at seminary. I learned Greek and then I forgot it, but I remember this one word. And so uh, in that, te it means the gospel. 
it's, it's supposed to be good news. And so if you hear about God and it doesn't seem like good news, then it's probably not God. But I also want to say this as well. The gospel is good news, not good advice. Now, now we, as a church, we live out, we're like, hey, you know, how does this affect my work and my relationships and all of that? Because there's implications for Jesus being alive in me. But every, every religion has a moral code. Now, I may, a lot of them are similar, some are antithetical. But Christianity is based in an event. It's based in an event in a piece of real estate over in the Middle East, uh, and you can visit there, and you can see the, the artifacts and some of the ancient inscriptions to people like Pontius Pilate. It's written on this big, big stone tablet, and th- these are real people, and it happened in a real point in history. Uh, so it's not, it's not a philosophy. For th- well, say, I'm, I believe in the Christian philosophy. Well, there's philosophical implications but it's about something that happened in a time in history, and even non-Christian historians like jo- Josephus wrote about the Jesus event, about how this man named Jesus, he died and he rose again, and how that changed everything. Because what I've learned, uh, and this may be bad news for some of us, is that when you're dead, dead people tend to stay dead. They do. It, but, but what if you were at a funeral, and there was a casket, and all of a sudden, the casket opened up? Would that get your attention? Absolutely. So for, you, for those of you who aren't as familiar with Christianity, I want you to, to get the impact of this. So the people who said they saw Jesus rise from the dead, it went from a dozen to 120 to 3,000 men to 5,000 men. So with women and kids, about 13,000 people in a town of about 100,000 people in a period of a few months. There was no telecommunications. You couldn't, te- can you believe that? They didn't even have Instagram back then. I mean, you know, amazing. No, no, no text. But people didn't even go far from home. It spread rapidly and people said they would rather die than recant. And so Jesus, what does that mean? So, so why is that important? Isn't that an Easter message? I'll come back on Easter and hear the same thing again. Uh, it's important because if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then what about the things that seem most dead in your life where you've given up hope and you say there's nothing that can change? Could, could God work in that in your life? And I think that's good news. And some of you say, hey, I can't do it. And you know what? You probably can't. But God can. And this is so important. Uh, in fact, I was, I've had conversations uh, this weekend around this as I've been preaching uh, uh, this message, and because it's like, okay, this is, so this is how this works, because I thought it was just a few things I had to do. The gospel changes people from the inside out, not the outside in. Uh, so if, if it's not about conforming to a moral code, is there a moral code in Christian? Yeah, there is, that there's implications for honoring God, but it's when God changes my heart that everything else really starts to change. And so the question is, has that happened to me yet? Or the question for us is, is that the primary thing we're about? And I would say, this is the hill that we die on. Because people need good news. 
Because, I, I mean, and I, I can tell you, I talk to people all the time, and I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Libertarian. If your candidate win, in some ways you're going to be disappointed in a few years. Because if that was your plan to change the world, it can change our country. It'll fall short. But when you see God change someone, then that changes everything. And, and see, this is good news because a lot of us, maybe you say, hey, I, I've been burnt out on this whole thing. Or, or I, I sort of, I've said yes to Jesus, but there's an emptiness in my heart still where it's not, I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing. And maybe it's about what God was doing in the first place. And that brings number two, healing. So the rest are the implications of the good news is... Uh, that uh, brings healing. And by the way, you know, the whole raise Jesus from the dead. I know some of you, uh, there's great evidence for it. I mean, we find it. Jesus' brother said he was God. I mean, if your brother said that, you know, that's good evidence as well. Uh, so uh, if you historically you ever want to look at this, we've done many messages on this. And, and, and it's a step of faith. I talked to someone. I said, it is not a chasm. It is a step, yes, but not a leap of faith. But part of this is he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. See, that's part of the message uh, about that we're to live out. I mean, when you read a Bible story, if you're, if you're not a Bible kind of person, I didn't grow up a Bible person, uh, but that, honestly, if you haven't read the Bible and you read it for the first time, it's really cool because you'll find out what people say about the Bible and what the Bible really says. So I encourage you, uh, if you haven't done that, uh, you know, you can download uh, the Bible app. You can go on our app. About 900 of you have gotten our app. We have a Bible, free Bible there. Or always, you can always go to the hotel, steal one there too. But is you, uh, <laughs> it's a great place, you know. Uncle Gideon wrote it for you. The, uh, so, it's, no, it's there and you get the, uh, the Bible. And if you start in the Gospel of Luke and you start to see story after story. And as we read that, here's what we usually do. When we read a story, we put ourselves in the story. The, the study of the Bible is called hermeneutics. So that's a 50-cent theological uh, term. It's the study of the Bible. When you, when you, it's just like when you go see a movie. You usually identify with a character in the movie, right? Like uh, I used to be a huge 24 fan. And of course, I'm Jack Bauer. I mean, obvious. And uh, so uh, in that. When, when we see Jesus and he's talking to the tax collectors and the prostitutes, we like put ourselves in the story. And who do we usually put ourselves in as? Jesus. Yeah. Oh, let me talk to those poor people over there. You know what the Bible says? You're not Jesus. You're the tax collector and the prostitute. Isn't that great news for you? Here's, here's why, and I'm having fun, but here's why this is good news. Here's why this is incredibly good news. is because when I understand my place of pain, and that it's not just doesn't have to be there, it's not this unsolvable riddle, then you can get the healing. I mean, how many of you, I find this, maybe with the last generation uh, a little bit older than me, uh, but we've known people who've died of a curable disease, haven't we? So, and they just wouldn't, well, you know, she wouldn't go to the doctor or he didn't take it that seriously. And, and the whole thing is, is they usually denied there was a problem. And we all know people that it literally cost them their life because they were unwilling to identify, hey, I have a heart problem. Hey, I have this problem. And they died because of it. 
And I think the analogy is so real that we die spiritually because we're so, we want to defend our position instead of saying, oh no, I do have a problem. And so Jesus comes in as a great physician and he brings healing to that. You know, uh, I know sin isn't always a, a popular word. And because so, some people, they, you know, they're judgmental. And you're not called to be judgmental. But sin is real. It's in the Bible. Uh, it's why Jesus died, so it's pretty important. To, so we could be forgiven of our sin. But sin, there's a good news element in it. Because if I know what's separating me from God, if I know where I'm living life outside of God's plan, then I could believe that maybe God could do something in me. And we've seen that again and again as a church. Uh, I've shared this before. When, when I came to be uh, the pastor here and people started coming in, and, and it's interesting, all not only Bible studies, because I really love to study the Scripture, but we have other groups, support groups, and I was just going through the list the other day. Uh, help people with marriages. 300 people this year have gone through that one. Uh, there's a grief uh, support group. There's uh, alcohol addiction and drugs and, and uh, sexual addiction and people dealing with uh, recovering from divorce and, and financial issues and parenting issues. And we didn't say, okay, we're going to be, here's, here's a marketing strategy. We're going to, because we're going to start all these groups and then all these messed up people will come. You know what happened? You came and we had to start all these groups. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. And so, uh, it, really, it really, like, you just caused a lot of problems, actually. <laughs> but I believe when Jesus, he, he went to the man who was physically disabled, and Jesus is there, and he's willing, and he's ready to heal. And he asks this incredible question, is, do you want to be well? He didn't say, what have you done wrong? How is it your fault? He said, do you want to be well? And for some of you, that is a question that you need to take heart. Do you really want to be well? Do you want to move beyond identification with your problem and into the next phase of your life? A life that you can't imagine because your problems become your life. Jesus brings healing. And that, my friend, is good news. He also brings freedom. There's a, a spiritual freedom in this in so many ways. Uh, Chris Hodges, who uh, pastors big church down south, I, I went to a conference, he was speaking, and uh, he said this. Uh, he said, when we get past our yesterdays, we can be free. Because otherwise what happens is our yesterday we drag into today, and that will determine our tomorrow. It says in Isaiah 61, this is part of the message that we're about to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness uh, for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. See, there are a lot of people where there was no justice. And they said, God, is there ever going to be any justice? God said, in my timing, I will make it right. And I will make you free. And then there's comfort. It says, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. This is, you know, we try to to be with someone without trying to fix everything about them. And then there's joy. See, ultimately, and now see, I wasn't raised in church, so I don't have any like church baggage I needed to get, uh, uh, get over. Uh, I have hippie baggage, if you want that, you know. Growing up with my parents, they, uh, you know, VW bus and 
lots of what's legal now. So anyway, uh, so the, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've said this before, I have actually never, never, not many people can say this, my, I never smoked marijuana in my, in my life, never once. But I've probably been high by marijuana accidentally more than anyone, you know. So it was, but, so I didn't have that baggage to grow up, the church baggage. Uh, some of you do. You were, you were like, okay, I remember we were against everything. Here's some things that churches have been against in the past and maybe are today. Dancing. Some of you grew up, you couldn't dance, right? Because dancing, who knows what that's going to lead to. Uh, and playing. And that's like old dancing. Now I look at some of the dancing, I'm like, maybe that's a good rule. So the, because uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's not dancing. Uh, and you're not even dressed. So anyway, so dancing, uh, that just, you know, can you tell I'm a dad? Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Some of you are like, ooh, he's old. Yeah, I'm a dad. Yeah, and I'll kill you. Anyway, so if you touch my daughter. So anyway, they're playing cards. Um, uh, that's not from the Bible, but it's true. Playing cards, going to movies, playing billiards, tattoos against long hair for men, against short hair for women, against vaccinations, against Harry Potter, against SpongeBob SquarePants. I sort of get that one. Uh, against makeup, against instruments in church, against Disney, and against Teletubbies. I remember that one. They're, they're a little demonic, I think, maybe. Uh, <laughs> some of you are like, is he serious? No. Uh, to be, here's, here's what Isaiah says our mission is. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Talking about someone, and, and we get this, joy, the oil of joy instead of mourning. It's talking about someone who is, just doesn't believe that they can be happy again. Doesn't believe there can be hope again. And that... I'll tell you, my heart breaks more than anything. I mean, you know, financial problems, I know they're real and, and we don't want to have them and, and all of that. I know health problems and kid problems and marriage problems, those are all real. When I talk to someone and they just believe there's no hope for them anymore, that's what breaks my heart more than anything. In fact, uh, I've shared this before. Uh, Pope Gregory, this is the history lesson for you. Uh, before the Ten Commandments, the seven deadly sins were sort of the moral code that they often used. Uh, you know, gluttony, anger, blah, 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 all of those. And there used to, before there were seven deadly sins, there were eight. And you know what the eighth deadly sin was? It got cut somewhere. It was called despond. And despond is the belief there's no help for me in God. And some of us, we get to that place. But that's... Our mission and God's, God's message to you is that there's this. Number six, restoration. Restoration. This is where God takes something that's broken and he makes it right again. In fact, when I was praying for our nation, even before I knew the outcome of the election, this was my, my prayer because I, I love what it says in Second Chronicles 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. But what if it's not about a divided country but about the broken areas of our life? It says this in Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. 
but it reminds me of this. So if, if you've had kids, uh, there's a game you play. Almost everyone plays this with, you know, the so big, like a little baby, a little kid. You always go, how big are you? So big, you know. And you can play that like for five, ten minutes at a time. Because uh, when my girls were little, would you know, how, how big are you? So big. It's not so fun when you're like my age. How big are you? So big. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> it's not good news. So anyway, so the, uh, <laughs> but the idea and this, this is important de developmentally and also spiritually, is the idea is you're not insignificant, you're not small, you matter. And that when someone says something about you and you get all tied up in knots and you feel like you can't go on anymore, see, how, how big your hope is will be is how big your God is. How big is God in your life? And that's... That, when we allow him to become bigger instead of trying to fix every little problem, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus comes into our world, into the most broken area, which is death and sin and separates us from God. And God is so big that it affects everything. It affects how we view him. It affects how we view ourselves. When you know what God says about you, it changes everything. I, I, I read this uh, uh, several years back, but it was so, I thought I'd read it again appropriate for today's message. It's actually written by, I found this article uh, online. It was written by a, a, a woman who uh, has Down syndrome. She's, uh, she says, uh, or in this article it says, I was born with Down syndrome 30 years ago.
Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.